Hey mamas, welcome back to the So You Had a Baby podcast. I am your host, Krista, and this is episode 44. This week, I'm joined by the wonderful Jaren Soloff. Jaren is a registered dietitian and international board-certified lactation consultant who serves as an expert in women's health. While continuing to practice in the field of eating disorder treatment, Jaren gained an additional experience as an international board-certified lactation consultant to fuse her love of nutrition and women's health. Now, working solely in private practice, Jaren combines her expertise as a skilled nutrition therapist and lactation consultant to support mothers in nourishing themselves and their babies with confidence. She's the founder of Full Circle, which provides nutrition counseling and lactation consultations to help both mom and baby thrive in motherhood. In addition to that, she's the author of the newly released Postnatal Cookbook. I had the pleasure of getting my hands on her cookbook early, and I can honestly say this is a must-have for any new mommy. The cookbook is beautiful, informative, and the recipes look delicious. Jaren was so much fun to talk with, and I cannot wait for you to hear from her. So without further ado, let's jump right in. Krista, and this is the So You Had a Baby podcast. Postpartum can look different for everyone, but the one consistent thing I've found is that there is not enough positive conversations happening to empower women in this beautiful journey we call motherhood. Join me and my incredible guests as we share empowering stories and topics to inspire women to grow and love themselves more throughout their postpartum journey. Together, we will work to change the stigma around postpartum. Hey mamas, before I jump into the episode, I wanted to take a moment to let you know that I have a website at www.soyouhadababypod.com. And if you haven't yet, go take a minute to check it out. I have a blog highlighting each of my incredible guests and their businesses and a resources page that has links to some of my favorite products, as well as links to favorite products shared by guests in various episodes. I'm constantly updating the page, so be sure to check in often. As always, sending you all love and empowerment in this wonderful journey we call motherhood. Okay, well today I am joined by Jaren Soloff, and as I mentioned before, she has her new cookbook releasing soon. But before we jump into that, Jaren, I would love for you to tell our listeners a little bit about yourself. So your name, your profession, who you're a mom to, and what led you to an interest mm-hmm. in working in Absolutely. your field. Well, I am a registered dietitian and I'm also an IBCLC, which is the long alphabet soup for lactation consultant. Um, I'm also a mom, my most important job to a nine-year-old now, and uh, the part about what led me to my field is really kind of intertwined with my personal story, which I know we're going to kind of dive into too, but um, I think for so many of us as, as moms, we kind of find maybe new interest or our values kind of realign or experiences that we have as moms really kind of lead us down different paths. And, um, you know, that's definitely what brought me to lactation consulting. Um, but also to being a dietitian, I really struggled through a lot of my like later teen years with 
and even into early adulthood, um, just disordered eating, food and body image stuff that, you know, didn't stop carrying over even into pregnancy and postpartum. And so that really inspired my work to be a dietitian. And I specifically wanted to work with women and moms. And, you know, after I gave birth to my daughter, I really connected it to the lactation piece and breastfeeding. And it was just such a different experiment experience of, you know, empowerment. And I have a daughter. So I just felt so passionate at that time about not only like continuing to do the work for myself, but trying to really set the stage Mm. for her to not pass along any of that food and body image stuff. So really trying to help support that nutrition from the very beginning. Yeah, I love that. And it's so true what you said. I feel like that journey into motherhood really kind of like changes things for a lot of women and and turns you around and helps you see, maybe get more focus onto what really you care about and what you want to move into. And I feel like that's a similar mm-hmm. story that you hear so often with, I mean, honestly, a lot of the guests that we've had on and myself, I just think that you just, you're, you're able to have a clearer Absolutely. picture. Right. And it's hard so. to not do that once you get that nudge. Um, because, you know, I always thought mm-hmm. this was just a me thing, but I was like, no, this is a thing of like, you know, of course the work that you would just do, like, I would just help moms breastfeed for free. Like I like doing that. Right. Um, it's something that I enjoy. Mm-hmm. It's something that becomes part of my, my life's work. So it's just really cool to find that intersection. Yeah. And be able to do this and make it your passion. And I think that's so powerful because it totally comes through in your work when you, you can feel when someone's passionate about what they do and really cares. And that's really important for, for, especially for a lactation consultant, mm-hmm. you want to know that the person helping yes, you cares absolutely. a lot. <laughs> yes. And that they know, you know, you don't want someone to just sit there and tell you what to do. Like, especially with a lactation consultant, right? It's like, no, please like show me tell me, uh, teach me how to do this. Um, that's such an important piece. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So before we jump into your postpartum story, which I really am looking forward to hearing, could you describe your postpartum experience Mm. in one word? Yeah. One word is, is tough. I think, and this kind of goes in with the story too. the word that I would use would be, um, it was pretty vulnerable. Mm. that's a very good word (laughs) and and why would you so um I was in a totally different life stage of where I am now like I mentioned my daughter's nine this was nine years ago and um I was a young mom so I had my daughter when I was 20 and you know was in a, a really awful relationship to say the least and was a single mom pretty much throughout the pregnancy after the birth and um just you know that experience was so vulnerable in and of itself I think whether you have a partner Mm -hmm. that you've been with postpartum in general is vulnerable right um but given just what I had been through and where I was at in my life at that time it was just such a a vulnerable stage for me yeah 
Uh, definitely. Well, let's have you just jump right into your story. I would, I'm, I'm really excited to hear your story and I, I know our Absolutely. listeners will be too. In, in terms of postpartum, you know, I shared a little bit, um, just about being a single mom and it's, it's one of those pieces where, I don't know if because it was so vulnerable, it's hard to remember or, um, you know, if it was the sleep or the hormones, probably mm-hmm. a combination of all of those, or, <laughs> or the fact that it's been nine years now, but I'm like, gosh, it's just, it's just a haze. And, you know, I think when I come across that question, I'm like, yeah, it was, it was difficult. Like it was really hard just based on what was going on in my life, um, and being so young and, um, at the same time, you just kind of do it. I just remember just walking through it and, um, you know, I had a decent amount of support in terms of like my family network. I didn't have, you know, my partner there. Um, but I did have support during that time. I think one thing that comes to mind that was really challenging for me in particular in postpartum was just not having a lot of community, um, mostly due to the Mm -hmm. fact that I was such a young mom and just where I was at in my life. I mean, most of my friends were at college, right? Like, um, it was just such a different experience for me. And I had my baby and six weeks later, I was going back to school because, um, it was so important for me to continue to move forward with my career. Um, that it was just such a different Mm -hmm. life stage. So I remember feeling just pretty like disconnected from, I think I made up in my head, you know, I think there is this mom community, right? But it was like feeling like I couldn't really be a part of that community. Like it wasn't okay for me to be there. So that was a really, really huge piece of my postpartum experience. Well, I feel like, especially in that situation, being a young mom and being in college, you know, you, you're kind of, you probably feel like you've got one foot, like one foot in one place mm-hmm. and one foot in the other, you know, there's that college experience that you want to, you want to be in, but also being a new mom, you want to be part of all of that. And that's a hard, mm-hmm. that's a hard line to straddle. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. I mean, socially, that was something that was so challenging and it was kind of like, I felt like I couldn't really fit in either of them. Right. Like I'm not a normal college student. Um, and I'm mm-hmm. not a, you know, whatever the quote, quote, normal version of mom is, Um, but there's usually a kind of different life stage that goes along with that. So it really was kind of being straddled Mm. in the middle. And you had mentioned you were in an abusive relationship that you, it sounds like you obviously had gotten out of, but was, was that something, the processing of that, was that something you were dealing with as well in your postpartum Mm -hmm. and how did that how did that play into your, your healing and your, your ability to care for yourself in that stage? Yes. Um, it was really, it's one of those pieces. This is probably why it is hard to remember. You know, we know a lot about when we go through difficult experiences, like that's part of what happens with our brain is that we can kind of compartmentalize it. And, um, you know, I didn't get into really good therapy until my daughter was maybe two or three years old, which, um, we know so much more now about like postpartum depression and anxiety. And so I don't really know exactly who knows what was going on during that time. And a lot of grief, a lot of, you know, change, um, a lot of vulnerability, 
but I definitely was able to later access some more individual support and start to really kind of process through that piece. Mm-hmm. Good. That's so, that's so good to hear. And I'm sure, you know, unfortunately that is something that I feel like a lot of women experience. And so under like, I feel like hearing your story is really positive to know that there is, you can step out of that. You can continue on and you can, you can keep growing through those phases. And I mean, amazing for you to be able to take on so much in that phase as well, and still, still be able to keep sight of your goals and push forward. And it's like, like we had mentioned before, becoming a mom gives you this mm-hmm. new, this new push of like, okay, I'm not only doing it for yes, myself, I'm doing it absolutely. for this person too. You know? Yeah. And thank you. I really appreciate that. And one of the pieces that I'll just share, cause I, I imagine many other women might relate to it is that, um, you know, you, you do what you have to do to survive. And it's, it's amazing how like instinctual that is mm-hmm. like as a mom and as a woman and, um, it can be part, it can be helpful and sometimes harmful. I think for those initial first years, it was really helpful. Like that is what I had to do. Um, I worked my butt off, you know, and at the same time in the past few years, I've kind of slowed down and it's like, okay, like you're safe, you're okay. Like you don't have to over-function in that way anymore, but it's just such a fight or flight survival mm-hmm. experience that I think you have and really care with carry with you. Absolutely. So it's, it's interesting. One of the things I would love to know is you being a lactation consultant now, did that, was that something that in your postpartum that you struggled with, especially I, I would imagine as a young mom who's still in college, having to jump right back into classes because, you know, unfortunately college doesn't really have the ability to say, mm-hmm. okay, you take mm-hmm. your three months and we'll see you. <laughs> they don't, they don't, right. I, I, when right. I say it this way, but they don't care. So <laughs> classes will go on without you. So how was that? Did that affect your ability to, to breastfeed or did you breastfeed and did that influence your decision to become mm-hmm. a lactation Absolutely. consultant later on? Um, but also (laughs) I think we're really still in the beginning. I think we're doing a better job now, but like every single mom who wants to breastfeed should have a lactation consultant. And I don't say that just like, because it's part of what I do, but like, it's such a vital piece of, you know, that postpartum experience and to coming into the role of being mothers and having that support. So, um, it's something that I think really came to me during my own breastfeeding experience of like, wow, this is really powerful. Um, and started to kind of firm up, I think a little later, maybe like two or three years after as my daughter was growing. But in terms of, you know, the Mm -hmm. transitioning while I was still in school and what that looked like, I mean, I remember pumping in my car, um, storing milk in a cooler in my car in between classes, (laughs) walking across campus and I'm like super engorged and super uncomfortable and like in a class of like 21 year olds. I mean, it's just crazy for me to like think about now. 
Um, <laughs> and, you know, we know that there's gaps, not only in the workplace, but, you know, there are people at all stages of their life going back to school and continuing their education. So I don't think I knew enough at the time to really mm-hmm. advocate for myself um, and explore what those options were. But it's something that really gets me fired up now, not only in the workplace, but um, you know, there's women and individuals at all stages of their life who want to go back and continue their education, right? And they need access to those pieces. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. It's, I mean, it's so true. And, and the, the, it always, or it never ceases to amaze me, a woman's perseverance and, and those, those pivotal moments in her life that you realize like, okay, I can do this. And from, you know, when you look back on it later in your life, you're like, how did I do Mm -hmm. that? That seems impossible now. (laughs) But I think that's, I think those biggest, those big struggles and those things that you just persevere, you know, put your head down and persevere through, like allow you to kind of shape how you want to address things later. And, and, and it's true. You're, especially when you're young, when you're younger, it's hard to be your own advocate when you're Mm -hmm. sitting there, you feel like you're sitting there by yourself, you know? So I think it's really amazing that you've been able to turn that into something you're more passionate about now and, and be an advocate, advocate for women who are sitting yeah, in the position you, you were I mean, years there ago. There are many clients and many women who encounter that that are in college or are continuing their education. So it's definitely a need. And I don't think that um, I clarified, but I was able to breastfeed up until a year. So that was really important to me. And looking back on that now, I just think that's amazing that I was able to, to get there. Um, because Mm -hmm. it really, I think odds would have been pretty stacked against me to try to make that happen. So. Absolutely. That's a huge feat. So congratulations. (laughs) So what would you say was your biggest struggle and your biggest win in postpartum? All things we just touched on. I mean, that, that was the struggle um, <laughs> being a mom and straddling that line and um, really not having a full picture of, of who I was. I mean, as a young adult, like you are still just growing into the person that you want to be. Right. And at the same time, you're, also emerging as mm-hmm. a mother. So there's like these two huge identity shifts that are kind of happening at the same time. So I think that was probably the most difficult piece. Um, yeah. And was there another, oh, biggest win. I should cover that one too. Yeah. I think that also mm-hmm. is the other side of the coin. That's <laughs> the biggest win is that um, I do have those experiences and I don't do them often enough until I'm writing or having conversations like these where I'm like, wow, like, yeah, objectively, like, I am so proud of myself for um, just walking through that. And you really just don't see it at the time because you are in survival mode and you're just doing what you need to do and nobody is clapping or encouraging you along the way. Um, But it's something that Mm -hmm. I'm so proud of. And that empowerment is something that you just, nobody can take that away from you. Right. That's part of like cultivating and building resilience just as a human. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. 
So looking back on your first year of postpartum, is there anything you would have done differently? Yeah, I, I think of like adjusting expectations for myself, um, just at that time of life for me specifically, but even now, I mean, I'm hoping my partner and I are hoping to grow our family and it's been nine years and it's so different. And I think about, I still need to adjust my expectations, <laughs> right? Um, so many things in my life are different yeah. and I have many things that I wanted as a 20 year old mom that I, you know, didn't have now. And um, it's still a place that's going to have to have adjusted expectations. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I mean, I think that's a, that's a good lesson for anyone in any phase is that, you know, you having to be able to, to roll with a roll with the punches mm-hmm. as they come to you and be able to change and adapt. I think we learned that. I think right, everyone learned that right. a lot from last year too. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> good reminder. <laughs> so if you knew what you knew, know now, what are three things you would say to your prenatal mm-hmm. self to help you in postpartum? Yeah, I think of one, which I feel like all of these are so common, but they really are just those pieces that you have to really like take and digest in, which is you don't have to do it all or you can't do it all, Right. <laughs> Um, which kind of goes mm-hmm. in hand with the second one. <laughs> you have to ask for help because you can't, don't have to do it all and you can't do it all. Um, and the last one would be to, to meet yourself where you're at, or for me to tell myself to meet myself where I was at, right. For kind of zooming the lens out and thinking mm-hmm. about like, wow, okay, you're 20, you're single, you are going to school, you're, you know, having limited support X, Y, or Z, like you're, you're okay. Like, this is, is where you're at right now. But I think we live in a society and world that we feel like we constantly have to strive and it's really difficult for us to be really just present and mindful with where we're at, whatever season of life we're in. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I love that advice because it's so easy to look, look, you know, look to your left and right and compare yourself and really just to, to be able to, appreciate what you're going through, you know, cheer yourself on in the phase that you're in is so important. And, and I don't know if that, I don't think Mm -hmm. that message can be said enough. Well, thank you for sharing your postpartum experience. I know that that's going to touch a lot of women Mm because there's a lot of women who are in those phases. So thank you. So Jaren, I'm so excited to jump into your business and your career and all that you're doing right now. So you are a registered dietitian and international board certified lactation consultant and now an author. So if you can let the listeners know a little bit about what, about how you got started down the career path and um, yes. just kind of div- divulge well, into know, that. I shared a little bit earlier how I got started was really like the inspiration was my, my personal story and kind of interweaving that. But, um, in terms of like the training that I had to do, that's part of, you know, how I serve moms now. Um, it takes about five to six years to do your training, to become a dietitian. Um, so I finished that and started working as a dietitian, um, actually in the eating disorder field here in San Diego and, Um, About two and a half, three years in, I really just felt the pull to serve moms in a more specific way and wanted to start my own practice and work um, 
on my IBCLC training. So I did that in 2019 um, and did my, you do like a year of clinical Mm -hmm. training and you sit for your boards. Um, And from there, I've really tried to marry the two, um, both with nutrition counseling and lactation counseling and trying to, um, you know, figure out what are mom's needs and how can I serve them best. Mm-hmm. I love that you married those two professions, the dietitian and the lactation consultant. I just think, I, I don't think I would have thought about it as much before meeting you, but just, I, I they really play well together. And I think those two have to be talked about and they're not talked about enough, mm-hmm. especially in terms of postpartum women. And I honestly, prenatal women, I feel like we're just kind of, you jump into this phase and being pregnant and going through postpartum, it totally rocks your body. And to be able to have someone who can understand and help you understand how to nourish yourself. And then also in that lactation phase, when that's such a hard transition for a lot of women, understanding how that plays, you know, your nutrition plays into lactation, I think is so, it's such a cool, you know, a cool way to like compare Mm -hmm. bond those two professions. Yeah. Thank you. I think it's, um, you know, it's less common to be a dietitian and lactation consultant. Um, but it always kind of fascinated me because I'm like, well, as a dietitian, I felt so inspired, like talk about, um, you know, nutrition from the very beginning. Right. I mean, it's supporting moms and breastfeeding, like everything really starts there. So, I think it's just such a cool kind of pathway and, and connection. And there really are so many nutrition pieces that come up throughout pregnancy and through postpartum and during breastfeeding that it's really helpful to have that background and really intertwine them, whether it's, you know, we're seeing a lot more of like food intolerances with breastfeeding or just, um, you know, moms navigating their own food and body image shifts after going through this huge shift of, you mm-hmm. know, nine months where their body changes completely. So um, moms are really eager to know, you know, what can I eat? Like, what are things that are going to support nutrition not only for me and for my baby? So it's really nice to be in a place where like, you know, moms want this information and like me, you know, in the same place, like we want to do what's going to be best for us and for our babies. Absolutely. And unfortunately, I feel like a lot of times after, you know, we put a lot of, we put a lot of emphasis on, on, you know, health and caring for yourself as in pregnancy, but that kind of gets thrown to the Mm -hmm. side after you give birth and everything's about baby. So having somebody who can assist you in, you know, that lactation phase, but also pour into you and remind you that your nutrition is really important is, is really important. And that is, you know, I know kind of like probably ties in with where we're going to go next, but I mean, that was really such a big driver of authoring the postnatal cookbook. Uh, You know, if you think of postpartum, postnatal nutrition, like nothing really comes to mind. I mean, for me, like I remember just researching and being told like, okay, if you're breastfeeding, like eat a a few hundred more calories and that's about it. Right. Um, (laughs) during pregnancy, it's like multivitamin and like, you know, um, there's usually messages around weight gain, but there's really not much else out there. And what I found in doing a lot of research, um, around postpartum nutrition is that 
our needs are even sometimes higher during postpartum in the fourth trimester than they are even during pregnancy. So we're missing a really big and critical gap to really help moms heal and and nourish themselves after birth. Yeah, very true. I mean, even in my own postpartum, I remember, you know, that you do hear like, oh, uh, prep your meals, you know, plan out your meals and, and prep meals before before you give birth mm-hmm. so that you can have food ready. But talking about what that looks like and how, what's going to be really beneficial. The only thing you really hear about is, you know, what not to eat or, or that, you know, the, the one thing you hear a lot about is mm-hmm. like lactation cookies, which are great, but that's not, that's not sustainable for, for, you know, the food that you need to eat. And, you know, so having some sort of guidance is really important. Exactly. So I'm, I'm glad that your path inspired you to write your cookbook and it's Thank such you. a beautiful cookbook. <laughs> yeah. So having a baby of my own, I knew food was a really important topic in both pregnancy and postpartum and it is for all women. But what role does, would you say our food plays in helping to balance the hormonal shifts mm-hmm. that That's occur really in postpartum? Question. Um, it's something I talked about in the beginning of the postnatal cookbook is just really helping women um, understand like it is such a wild ride after birth, right? And if you've been through it, um, not only birth, you experience the hormone shifts, but even postpartum, um, there's such a huge shift that happens after your baby is born. Um, so nutrition and hormones really have an integral effect. And I think of specifically for moms to think about the connection to blood sugar. Um, and something that I talk a lot about in Mm -hmm. the book as well is just being mindful of how we can use nutrition to help promote some of that balanced blood sugar, because if our blood sugar is, you know, really high, really low, and is going on that wild ride, um, that's just going to keep that hormone train, you know, going up and down. What we really want to try to support moms with Mm -hmm. is having that really stable and even blood sugar, because that's going to help, um, balance out those hormones and, you know, those mood shifts or the irritability or, you know, the tears that fall when you're trying to feed your baby and everything is just overwhelming. Um, you know, we can just try to use nutrition to support that in that way. Yeah, that's important. And would you say that when your nutrition is balanced, it would help maybe not prevent, but, or maybe prevent like postpartum depression Mm -hmm. or anxiety? You know, I feel like that is such a hormonal, that hormonal shift is what really triggers that. So keeping your, like keeping nourished and, you know, eating foods that are important, would that help keep that at bay? I did quite a bit of research and even put a chapter on mental health in the postnatal cookbook because I just felt so strongly about, Mm -hmm. um, you know, a supporting mom's mental health and B, you know, seeing if there are things that we can do that will be supportive in helping moms, you know, suffer less from this. And nutrition is a huge piece of it. Um, not only for supporting those hormones that can be a factor in depression or anxiety postpartum, but also just keeping up with energy needs. Right. Um, I mean, one thing you probably do Mm -hmm. hear the most, um, from, moms who have been through postpartum is that you are hungry. Your body is recovering. Um, if you're breastfeeding, then your body is using even additional energy storage, but 
many of the women that I work with are so surprised, shocked, in fact, to hear from me that, you know, they're under eating um, or that they're constantly hungry throughout the day. Like they're not eating enough because a, there's a lot of messages around, you know, mm-hmm. even before pregnancy and birth around how much we as women should eat um, and what's okay. But also I think mm-hmm. we're just not used to really like feeling our appetites in that way. And after birth, um, it's just so visceral. You really can't ignore it. Um, but I think it's really shocking for a lot of women. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I feel like so many women put so much time and energy, like you said, into you know, counting calories and trying to be good about what they're eating that they forget to, like you said, like you'd mentioned, like tap into your body and really listen to what your body's saying and, and give your body what it's asking for. We like almost turn off those sensors of, mm-hmm. okay, I'm hungry. I should eat. And you definitely cannot. can't do that when you're breastfeeding or trying <laughs> yeah, to support a person. <laughs> <laughs> really overwhelming. Like you're getting these, you know, cues from your body and, um, a, you're, you're tired and it can be hard to really keep up with them, but there is a lot. And I see this, you know, often in nutrition counseling around, um, with moms specifically around like feeling okay, really honoring our bodies and feeding our appetites during postpartum. But it's, you know, we Mm -hmm. think of like how we treat and support individuals after like an injury or an accident. I mean, birth is such a huge event. So your tissues are healing, there's fluid losses. Um, Your body's doing just such amazing Mm -hmm. repair work during that time. So of course you're going to need extra nutrition. Absolutely. And it's a Mm -hmm. whole body repair work. It's not just like a single area or, you know, your arm, it's your whole body is going through a huge recovery of, you know, loss and gain at the same time. It's, 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 mm-hmm. it's crazy transition, Absolutely. honestly. <laughs> one, one of the things that you had mentioned in your book or that you, you said in your book that I, that I just loved was you changed instead of referencing, um, talking about calories per se, you Mm -hmm. chose to use the word energy. And I love that you do that for, for so many reasons, because calories can be such a trigger word for, for women, women, especially, but to kind of take the, take away the word that already triggers us and give us a new way to talk about it and and really what it is. I think that I, I just love Mm -hmm. that you changed the verbiage there. Like, appreciating and acknowledging that I think, um, you know, when I was approached about the cookbook, it was more so because of my expertise in women's health, but I also have this unique background of, um, working with eating disorders for years and counseling women, um, you know, struggling with eating disorders or disordered eating or dieting. And so, um, it was really, not possible for me as a person to not include language that was going to be mindful and inclusive because I know that the majority of women have had experiences dieting, um, maybe disordered eating or even eating disorders. I mean, they are so much more common than we know about or talk about. So um, it was really important to me to make sure that this was not um, me as a dietitian telling people what to eat, but about guiding them back to, you know, Mm. their body's wisdom and what they already know how to do. Yeah. Yeah. It was, I said, I just, I love the, the way you wrote your, the book and, and the intro to your cookbook is just feels, 
it's so supportive and encouraging and, and feels, it feels like you just are pouring into your mm, reader, which you so is much. really beautiful. Yeah, that's really, really meaningful to hear. Um, one of the things I loved how in your book, you touched on traditional thought processes around postpartum and the different cultural um, thought processes and traditions around postpartum healing and care in mm-hmm. comparison to Western civilization. Um, I mean, I just, having done research in it myself, I just, I know there's a lot of other cultures really pour into that, pour into postpartum women. And it's such a beautiful process and, and women are just really, you know, praised for this, this phase. Um, Western civilization Mm -hmm. is is lacking for sure. (laughs) Where do you feel modern day Western civilization lacks the most in terms of postpartum care for women? Such an important question. And honestly, um, I had to stop myself so many times throughout writing the intro of the book because I was like, okay, I was asked to write a cookbook. I was asked to write a cookbook. I can't author this whole separate (laughs) novel on like postpartum practices. Um, if I wasn't limited by the word count, I probably would. Um, but I had to put it in there because, you know, these nutrition practices and the pieces I talk about in the book, um, were my attempt to try to meet in the middle as much as possible, appreciating how much we have to learn about, you know, Eastern practices um, that are so lacking, but also meeting mm-hmm. moms where they're at in our here and now world and today, right? Um, so that was really important to me. Mm-hmm. But in terms of what I feel is lacking, um, what comes to mind is just two big things. It's just support. Um, we don't have these networks of support that we used to have and that really were designed to have. Mm-hmm. I mean, after birth, um, you have to have that support and it's really essential, not only for mom to really come into this role and to heal properly, um, but also for infant development, right? Um, it's not supposed to be just two mm-hmm. parents providing and supporting the needs of, um, this new human 24 seven, it's just, it's just not practical. So there's a huge gap of just support and what that looks like in our family systems, because they're so different here in Western culture. Um, and I think that, you know, we're talking yeah. about like the nuclear family, which think about parents bringing home their baby, it's like, you know, two individuals. Um, but that's not the case in most and other cultures. And they're coming home to, grandma and cousins and aunts and you know it's primarily women that mm-hmm. are caretaking the mother um but there's a whole network or, or village of support so that's just such a, a critical piece and I also have to mention that um yeah you know it's part of just systemically we don't have the framework for support we don't have adequate paid leave. We don't have, you know, work flexibility in the way for women to return back to their jobs Mm -hmm. in a way that's going to support them (laughs) healing from birth and continuing to breastfeed or be in bond with their baby. And, you know, there's just huge systemic gaps that we, we have still. Yeah, absolutely. There's definitely a lot of gaps. I really love that you talked about that though. And just that community aspect, because just thinking back, me, myself, um, I'm from a very large family. And when we brought home our daughter, we had both sets of grandparents 
And, you know, one of my brothers and one of my nephews was there. And we just had this community that we brought home our baby to, which it's, it's interesting. Now I feel like we, because we are so spread out, we, so we, we want to keep that moment really personal and having that community from the beginning, I feel like really shapes this really wonderful little human who knows that they're supported and, it's, it's just, it's, it does make me sad as well that we've moved away from that. And I hope that by, you know, people like yourself bringing more attention to that, it really allows people, you know, parents to really change that thought process of coming back to the community aspect. Cause it's really important for, not just for mom, it's important for, mm-hmm. for, you know, the partner as well, who has to support right. mom. That's a right. lot of pressure for one Absolutely. person. So <laughs> Yeah. So, um, just kind of jump back into, (laughs) into your cookbook In your, in the postnatal cookbook, you cover Mm -hmm. macronutrients and micronutrients. And right now we live in a world that seems to be, you know, that seems to be a really hot topic and there's a lot of focus on macro counting. Um, I know I got caught up in that as well. Can you explain what macronutrients and micronutrients are for those who don't know? And how would you recommend recommend women approach mm-hmm. micro and macronutrients yes, through a postpartum? it's really um, been popular, I know, recently in the past year or two. And, you know, by no means, um, just context-wise, I, I talk about macro and micronutrients um, and then talk about how I kind of put them into practice. But I you know, any diets, I talk about that in the postnatal mm-hmm. cookbook too, but, um, you know, I don't recommend those uh, counting your macros, counting calories and going on any diets postpartum. They just tend to be way more harmful than helpful, but I think it, um, can be helpful to understand a little bit about the nutrition. Um, I know I was really interested in that. So mm-hmm. to break it down, um, macro means large micro means small, Um, So I explain macros to clients that I work with as, you know, the building blocks of most of our food, right? So there's three of them. There's carb, protein, and fat. Mm -hmm. Um, Most of our foods, all of our foods are either one of these nutrients or a combination um, of some of these three nutrients. So everything kind of breaks down from those three macronutrients. So those are really um, the pieces that I focus Mm -hmm. on in terms of building meals and snacks. So part of what I recommend to moms in meeting their needs is really balancing their plate, making sure that they're having, you know, all three of those macronutrients at each of their meals and, you know, being mindful about pairing them with snacks as well. And that's important because pairing those macronutrients together is really what helps us with that stabilized blood sugar, which we talked about was so important um, for hormone balance and just feeling good and meeting your nutrition needs overall. Yeah. And then the micronutrients Mm -hmm. um, are the smaller ones. So that's, you know, think of like your vitamins and minerals. Um, So we do have certain requirements for these, and these are usually achieved through eating a, a wide variety of foods, Um, you know, unless you have specific conditions or specific dietary needs, most people don't need to, um, you know, nobody's counting their micronutrients, right? Um, But there are some times during pregnancy Mm -hmm. and breastfeeding um, where we want to be mindful to specific nutrients. So vitamin D, for example, or 
um, calcium and other times of life. There's just times we might want to pay attention to, are we getting enough through our diet? Would it be helpful to think about increasing this or adding on a supplement? Um, so I touch base on those in the book to just mm-hmm. help moms know where they're at individually. Yeah. And they like said, having read, read your cookbook, I think you did a really great job in making that, um, the breakdown of what they are palatable, you know, you can, it makes it easy to understand, but it's not overwhelming. It doesn't feel like there's anything, it's, it doesn't feel like a strict guideline. It feels like it just a, a basis of understanding for women to feel Good. knowledgeable, yeah, so which is great. That. That's exactly <laughs> what I hoped it to be is, you know, there are individuals I think that will always appreciate. I love learning about nutrition, right? And it's really fascinating to learn about our bodies. And I think mm-hmm. nutrition is just one of those topics that um, can be so activating for so many people. And there's a lot of misinformation. There's a lot of polarized information, especially, um, you know, a lot of people who target moms after birth and just really creep on our vulnerabilities Mm -hmm. and tell us that maybe we're doing something wrong. We're not (laughs) having the perfect amount of nutrition for our baby or our bodies. And, um, yeah, I want it to be approachable and and practical because that's what it should be for everyday life. Absolutely. I think you, you you succeeded in that. So, so uh, a common concern women have when breastfeeding is that they should stay away from certain foods. Like I said, I had mentioned this Mm -hmm. earlier. I know I definitely heard that. And so it changed the way I wanted to eat, unfortunately. And so as a nutritionist and lactation consultant, can eating certain foods actually be bad for the baby? Um, like I said, one of the ones I heard is mom shouldn't eat garlic. Like that affects your breast milk. And that was devastating growing up in a large Italian family. It's like, well, I don't know what I'll eat then. (laughs) So, and are there certain foods that are more beneficial for nursing mothers and are there foods Mm -hmm. that they should stay away from? It's such a a huge topic and, and question. And it just, um, makes me cringe because I have these like rose colored glasses of like being in my bubble. Right. And, um, assuming that everybody knows (laughs) that these are false, but we don't always have access to that information. So, um, you know, there are no bad foods when breastfeeding, um, there are different individualized needs that are going to going to depend on your history as a mom, right? So if you have a, a history of food allergies mm-hmm. in your family, or you know that something doesn't work for you in your body, obviously, you know, that's going to be something that you're going to be sensitive to. Um, but I think there's this idea that you have to have a quote, quote, perfect diet in order to breastfeed. And that's just not true. We know that even moms who are moderately malnourished can still make nutritious breast milk. Um, is that going to be ideal for mom's Mm -hmm. health? Absolutely not. Um, and it's not going to be the most nutrient dense overall, but it's still going to meet your baby's needs. So that's a really important piece. And Mm -hmm. the other ones, um, you know, whether it's like, I've heard gassy foods, right? So don't eat broccoli or or Brussels sprouts or um, beans or garlic or spicy foods. But what was really interesting when I was looking at some (laughs) of the food practices from other cultures is that what's accepted in one culture, um, you know, 
for example, certain cultures actually emphasize um, having some spicier foods. Um, and other cultures will say, no, you need to stay away from spicy foods completely. Um, so there's just this huge inconsistency throughout. Mm-hmm. So the most important thing is to let your baby guide it and to um, be in tune with what your baby needs and what you're sensitive to. But there are no you know, categories of food or bad foods that you can't eat as a breastfeeding mom. It's just going to depend on what you and your baby find tolerable. Yeah. I think a lot of women just took a big sigh of relief that they could just eat without having to be taking so many things out. And that's really important just to touch on too. And I, I didn't get to touch on this in the postnatal cookbook, but I see this more so in my, in my practice, which is that, you know, there's a lot more conversation around like, um, you know, does my baby have a dairy intolerance or, oh, I ate, you know, beans. Um, is that making my baby fussy or gassy? Mm -hmm. And I think just this common theme that I've seen is like, as women, like we take so much accountability, like every single thing that we think happens to our baby, we take responsibility for, right? Like, oh, I had like a tiny bit of cheese. It must have been a cheese that I ate. Like, I didn't sleep as much last night or, you know, whatever it might be. I think the hope is to, of course, let's do some detective work. And like, if there is something bothering your baby, let's try to explore that. But um, the percentage of babies who actually have reactions to something in their mom's milk is like 0.5 to 1%. It's extremely small. Not that I want to invalidate anyone's experience because obviously (laughs) I see this. Um, But just to take away, like, you know, not stepping to the pediatrician's office and blaming everything on mom's diet if something is up with baby, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, and just a reminder, everybody's different. No, no two people are the same. And so prescribing a, 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 you know, you can't eat this for everybody seems so crazy to me that, you know, if my body Mm -hmm. does well eating garlic, for example, then why would I take that out? It actually has a lot of health benefits. Yeah. And they've, you know, done studies to actually show like when individuals are eating food, um, you know, that are familiar to them in their culture or that they really enjoy or find satisfying that they actually retain more of that nutrition. Like the absorption of those vitamins and minerals in the body is Mm. actually increased. So I just think that's so fascinating um, and gives you a lot of permission to, you know, enjoy your food. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And and experiment with new food. (laughs) So in a society that puts a lot of emphasis on getting back to your pre-pregnancy body. What advice or tips would you give to women to help reset their mindset and be more health focused Mm -hmm. rather than I so appreciate you bringing this question because it's something that I also felt really compelled to touch on in the postnatal cookbook in terms of staying away from um, those postpartum body messages around weight loss, um, and trying to be really health focused versus weight focused. Um, so the first question that I usually explore Mm -hmm. with moms is what does health mean to you? 
um, like what are actually the components of what being healthy means? Because if it's not associated with weight, you know, does that mean um, your lab markers are at a certain place? Like you're managing your blood sugar well, or you have more mm-hmm. energy, or um, you're noticing less um, indigestion or gastrointestinal symptoms. Um, and so really defining like what healthy means to you and trying to really separate it from weight is a really big piece of the mindset work that I do with clients. Um, And the other piece I think really goes hand in hand is to then like set goals that really reflect those values um, and to prioritize those values too. Um, One of the things that I see so Mm -hmm. frequently, I think in new moms is that, um, you know, it's hard to deal with all the feelings and emotions and experiences that we have. And, it can get really easy to displace these on food um, or wanting to control our weight or wanting to quote, quote, get our body back. Right. Which I kind of translate and decode that as like, yeah, yeah, like maybe you want your life back. (laughs) You want your life to look differently than how it looks now because it's really hard, but is losing weight or changing our body, like really going to help us get there. Um, And so kind of exploring that with moms too. Yeah, that's a really great point. And I love that you bring that up because it, it's so people in general are so quick to try to control the thing that mm-hmm. feels controllable, even though, you know, and, and a lot of times, like you said, it's weight. It's the thing that you can look at and see the change, you know, versus having to do that, mm-hmm. the real work and Absolutely. really uncover the hard things. I, I, I really love that you, that you help change that change the mindset. So it takes a, the pressure off of the weight and the, the, mm-hmm. the physical looks and more right. turns it and inward. A lot of, you know, our body goes through such, such drastic change in, you know, nine months time. I mean, there's these huge shifts. And so I know there's a lot of conversations. Um, there's tons of conversations around weight during postpartum, but something that I share with moms so often is that there's a huge biological piece to that, right? Especially if you are are breastfeeding, um, your Mm -hmm. body is preserving energy in the case that you have to feed your baby. And I just, I think that that is fascinating that our biology is really going to override any of these cultural societal pieces. It's going to do what it needs to do to protect your baby. Absolutely. I remember when I was breastfeeding, actually, I, I got back into like a workout routine and put a lot of pressure on myself, which now looking mm-hmm. back, I was like, I wish I wouldn't have done that. But I remember mm-hmm. I actually didn't lose any weight in mm-hmm. while breastfeeding. I breastfed for a year and didn't matter what I did, but my body held on to weight. Like it was like, it was going to, yep. like I was going to go into starvation. It, I had fat, I mean, down to the point where I had fat deposits, like in, on like in my abdomen or like, you know, mm-hmm. right under my bra line, which I was like, what is that? I've never had that before. And so I just thought it was really interesting. And I mean, you just kind of touched on it is your body is going to do what it needs to do. Exactly. It doesn't matter what you're doing. <laughs> and so just like reminder of like, let go of that control that you think you have and just embrace this, your body of what Mm -hmm. it's doing and appreciate all that it's doing for you. So the, the lie that, you know, that you can lose your breastfeeding gets rid of uh, baby weight is, is, it's a lie. It doesn't happen for everybody. (laughs) Because um, 
that is one of the like quote, quote, main selling points for breastfeeding is I think in more like casual conversations, other moms, oh, like, don't worry. Um, if you're breastfeeding, the weight will come right off. Right. Um, I, we've just all heard that. Mm -hmm. And I, I hate that it has that association that they have to be tethered together in that way. I mean, breastfeeding is such a powerful relationship tool, um, for you and your baby to bond. It is part of you. Um, you know, if, Mm -hmm. if, and if you decide to breastfeed and if you can breastfeed, um, it's such a healing, empowering experience, like coming into being a mother too. So really trying to like separate those two and not focus on breastfeeding being a means to, to weight loss. Like, gosh, it's so much more. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. Well, Jaren, I just want to comment that, and I know I said this before, but I cannot recommend your cookbook, the, the post, the postnatal cookbook more. Like it, it is such an informative book without being overwhelming. I felt like they said, but while reading it, I just felt like you were really pouring into your reader and encouraging them versus setting strict guidelines as to what something looks like. And the recipes in this book look delicious. I I personally really am excited about the lemon <laughs> raspberry ricotta pancake because <laughs> mm-hmm. I have a crazy sweet tooth and it just sounds amazing. But the recipe, I mean, all the recipes are really diverse, you know, have a lot of diverse recipes and they have a lot of, they seem like they have a lot of flavor and, mm-hmm. and they're simple which is great. There's not like 900 steps for making one of the recipes. There's like eight steps. That is, that is, you can, you can actually do that if you have a baby. Absolutely. Ideally, (laughs) you know, maybe you're padding the pages and your partner is making them for you, or you're bringing in that village and support network. And you're like, Hey, you know, this would be um, super helpful because you helped me prepare a few batches of these recipes to have on hand before you leave and for the next Mm -hmm. few days. Um, because I think people do set up meal trains and people want to help, but after a few days you get really tired of lasagna or baked ziti and you just like want something that's going to have like <laughs> some good nutrition, right? Which lasagna and baked ziti have that and they're delicious, but yeah. you know, there's these like typical casserole freezer meals that we think of and these recipes are designed to be friendly in that way, but they also meet the needs of a recovering postpartum mom. Mm-hmm. And they're simple. Um, there's just no way. If I'm not going to make it in my own kitchen, I'm not going to put it in a cookbook for a new mom. Yeah. Yeah. And honestly, they're really family friendly. I feel like it's a good way to try new recipes and new flavors and, you know, new spices uh-huh. without being too overwhelming. I I was going to say, you said you mentioned having your partner cook. I think this is actually a great gift to give to the, the partner of oh, I love the, the woman yes. giving birth because, well, just cause it, it's, it explains the, the process oh, that, yeah. you know, your partner's about to go through in all of this and, and highlights, you know, the, the, the strength that they have and all of the positive sides and remind, it's like a gentle reminder just to embrace your body and embrace you know, this process without judgment or, you know, and with love. So I think it's a great, it's a great gift to give the partner uh, Mm -hmm. so that they can feel like they're doing something. I know a lot of the time the partner doesn't feel like they have a lot of control or have, can do a lot and feel really limited. So this is, I feel like a good helper. I (laughs) I think it can be really 
supportive, um, you know, and not in a, like an ingenuine way, right? Like it actually is helpful and supportive to mom and it's something they can really Mm -hmm. actively do for their partner. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So one of my favorite questions to ask all of our guests, all of my guests are, it is, what is your favorite mom hack? And in your book, I just love that that is a little thing that you have at the bottom of each recipe. Yes, so what is I, your mom favorite mom hack? To me, um, just in making life easier, which is always helpful for moms. Um, mine is, I think, really silly, <laughs> but I'm going to I'm going to share it because I think um, I don't know, maybe people do this, but I use. So instead of like Tupperware, <laughs> I use these glass Pyrex containers for like putting away leftovers. Um, and they, you know, like you can bake with them, Mm -hmm. you can put them in the microwave. And what I do is like when I'm cooking dinner, instead of like putting it in like a serving dish or a bowl, um, and putting it out on the table or counter, I will put it Mm -hmm. usually in that glass Pyrex. Um, and then I'll serve the meal like family style and everybody gets what they want. And then when everybody's done, I just take the dishes and I just pop the tops on them and I just stick them in the fridge. So it like eliminates another step of washing all those dishes. I just can't even imagine like plating them in dishes and then taking them to the sink and washing them. Maybe I'm extra lazy, but to me, it like makes the most sense. Um, yeah. So that's my hack. I don't, I don't know why I've never thought of that. Honestly, that's not silly at all. You're as you're saying this, I'm thinking, why have I never done that? I hate dishes. Nobody likes dishes. You could totally serve your meal and like Tupperware. Right. But like, maybe that's not like what you, you know, whatever, like you want it to look, um, presentable or, you know, still like have a a feel to it. So they still look nice, but as soon as you're done, you can just pop the lid on and, and put them in the fridge. (laughs) <laughs> oh my gosh. It makes me want to go get rid of any so of my plastic Tupperware right now. Listeners that is so smart. That hack or that helpful will make me so enthusiastic. <laughs> <laughs> well, you've sold me. I'm going to be doing this. My, I think my husband will be very on board yeah, for never having it. to do dishes again. <laughs> mm-hmm. Half the dishes done. Okay. Yep. That sounds fantastic. <laughs> uh, thank you for sharing that hack. That Wonderful. is a good one. I'll be adopting that. <laughs> So, Jaren, where can our listeners find you and your book? When My and book came out. When does your book come out? Tuesday. Um, yeah. So I actually, yeah, you know, I didn't actually get my hands on a copy <laughs> until yesterday, just with shipping delays. Um, the paperback copies are taking a little longer. So a lot of pre-orders went through, um, but it looks like they're in stock now. Um, so it's already out and it's on shelves or available to order online. Um, and you can find me, my website is full circle and I'm going to spell it just cause circles a little bit different. So it's F U L L and then C R C L.co. Um, so that's where you'll find information about, you know, how I actually help mom services that I offer. Um, and then I, I provide virtual consultation. So not just local here to San Diego, but also, um, to moms everywhere, and I also am pretty active on Great. Instagram. My handle is just my practice name, which is that full circle. Um, and then I just have an underscore at the end. So I do a lot of like quick tips and common questions and tutorials, just um, quick stuff as moms are like scrolling through while they're breastfeeding their baby. 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's definitely what happens. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to come on and sharing your knowledge. And I am so excited for your book release. Congratulations again. That's such an exciting step. And and I'm really honored yes, to own you one already. For so <laughs> for making the space for moms um, and for women are just I think it's so valuable to have like real conversations like this and just what you're putting out in the world. So thank you for having me. Oh, thank you so much. Thank you so much for listening. I am so grateful and humbled that you would take the time to tune in. Please continue to join me as I work to change the stigma around postpartum and help to build a community where women can feel supported, loved, and empowered. If you'd like to connect with me, follow me on Instagram at So You Had a Baby Podcast, or you can check out the website at www.soyouhadababypod.com. And if you want to hear more and be part of this amazing community of mamas, be sure to subscribe and share the podcast. Thank you.